0: written by a man named John Mark that was a companion of the Apostle Paul on the missionary journeys but Mark chapter 6 so I'm looking up and I'm not not seeing any we do not have PowerPoint is that right? oh we do have I'm looking on that one okay great Okay, homecoming. I, I remember since I was in the military for eight years, I had a lot of homecomings. When you go home and you haven't been there for years, and I, I had a large family on my mother's side, especially where she eventually had 30 grandchildren. And I think I was fourth in the hierarchy and everybody else got a lot of attention, and I was just the quiet one in the corner. But uh, during those years, I didn't mind. That's that was my place. I remember. And cousin Mike, he was the oldest and the very tallest. He was like six foot four and played tight end for Moorhead State. I remember. And uh, I just remember those years because. Later, my grandmother, my grandfather died. And, well, they both died. But my, I went and I was asked to preach my grandfather's funeral. And I was very evangelistic. This is my family. I love them so much. My cousins, I love them so much. We packed out the church and this was my opportunity. And I'm thinking this was Jesus's also. These were the people he was born and raised with, even, even brothers and sisters there. And he's thinking, okay, I have this opportunity to preach and to preach to my family and my friends and my neighbors. So uh, I think that's something there. Uh, if we look at Mark chapter 6 verse one, he went out from there and came into his own country. His own country is Nazareth. If you took the poorest the poorest city, poorest area of of Galilee, it would be Nazareth. Uh, I know it's been two thousand years uh, since Jesus lived there, but Bonnie and I went on a tour of of Nazareth and it was nothing but houses up on stilts, the back end was against a ledge front end was Uh, On stilts, and water down below in a little creek, and everybody had sheep and rams. That's all. That's all they had. They had a little. uh, uh, They had a little grape thing in in their their village, but it was very very poor, and it was very very run down. At least when we saw it. He went out from there, verse one, and came to his own country. And his disciples followed him. He went home. Now you've got to remember this. He didn't have any cell phone to call mom with. Nowadays you would call home and say, Mom, I'm, I'm, I'm coming for a visit. Uh, oh, that's wonderful, son. I can just, it would be wonderful. I'll make the peach pie and Where's Bonnie? Am I going to have some of the peach pie today? So with, with, with that said, then uh, he said, Oh, and I'm bringing 12 friends. Very small, small home, up on stilts probably. And he's bringing, bringing the 12 disciples with him. Verse 2, and when the Sabbath day was come, Saturday, he began to teach in the synagogue. He went there on a, on a non-Sabbath day. Literally, the rules were you weren't allowed to travel on the Sabbath day. And he usually had heard to, adhered to that rule. And he had to wait till Saturday in order to gather a crowd there. Wherever Jesus was in other cities, it didn't have to be Saturday. They were gathered around the home he was staying in, waiting for him. There was like a parade. Every city he went into except for Nazareth. Verse 2 again. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished saying, from where has this man these things? Where did he get this stuff? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that even such mighty works are worked by his hands? We have to look at this when they're saying, who is this? This is is his very small hometown. We conjecture from this that when Jesus lived there for his first 30 years of his life we 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 think that he must have lived a very quiet peaceful humble life there there in the corner of the town as a carpenter but they didn't even recognize him nor we didn't know this about him and here he is the greatest Speaker, orator of all time. They didn't know it. They didn't recognize it in him. He was relatively unnoticed by his town. Again, many hearing him were astonished, saying, From where has this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that even such mighty works are worked in his hand? Verse 3. Isn't this the carpenter? And I think it's going, who is this? Well, that's the carpenter. The carpenter, remember, he's been gone a couple years as well. He was the carpenter. That's what he was known by to them. Isn't this the carpenter? As I thought about this, he puts great honor upon carpenters. He puts great honors upon laborers factory workers, all those who work with their back, who work with their hands. And it's an encouragement to all persons who eat, who eat by the labor of their back and hands. Nothing is more life-shattering for young people than to develop a habit of laziness. So easy, too, with technology today. They get sucked into their games. They get sucked into their TVs. And so easy for them to develop the habit of laziness. The Jews had a good rule for this, that their young people who were designed to be scholars were yet bred up to some trade as a fallback. As Paul was a tent maker, that they might have some business to fill up their time and if need be to earn their bread with among the ancients every parent was bound to do four things parents four things I have these up on the board they were dedicated to raising their children with these four things one if they were a boy to circumcise the males that was a commitment to God Way back in Abraham's day. All males had to be circumcised. What do we do? We dedicate our children. That's what we do. When our babies are are little. We dedicate. We have a dedication service. I haven't had one for a while. We dedicate our children and their parents. The, The second thing they do is to redeem them to God. We make sure of their salvation must make sure of their salvation three to teach them the Bible the word if we can get the word of God into them so that later when they're away from us they will remember the word of God and at least recognize that they're doing wrong so many of our older kids now they do wrong and they don't recognize it as wrong. It's acceptable to teach them the Bible. Now, as a church, we want to help with that. Every service for, has has uh, the Word of God taught to our children. Even downstairs, they're teaching the children. They're having maybe you don't know, but they're having a service just like ours. To prepare them to move up. But it's just like ours. But then they have lessons teaching them the word of God. And number four, to teach them a trade. Usually by the age of 12, a Jewish boy was bred up to be able to, you would know what his trade, what his job for a lifetime is going to be. Because his parents started training him at a very young age. Last night, I was going through the church real late. And I happened to go down these steps. And at the bottom of the steps, looking, looking this direction, is a beautiful, beautiful painting of Joseph at the carpenter shop. And baby Jesus, toddler Jesus, on the floor with a hammer and a chisel. That's a beautiful painting and it gave me pause. We need to be teaching our children to work. Uh, and I, I hate to bring, bring this, no, I love to bring this up one time out back in the creek, probably illegal, so don't repeat this. But one time out back in the creek, the, flood, the, the creek had flooded and uh, it, was, it was, the flow was moved. And then I saw mud flying in the air. And here it was Brother Ted out there. Then I saw a smaller shovel flying up in the air. And it was Brother Ted and Teddy back there getting the mud out of the middle island of the creek so it would flow right back there. Teaching his children, teaching his son to, to work. I don't imagine he appreciated it all the time. So, but anyway, all this was founded on the following principle, life principle. They who teach not their children to work, it's as if they taught the children robbery, robbery. God would thus put an honor upon menial work, upon the hands of workers in encouraging those who eat, From the labor of their hands. Back to verse 3. Is not this the carpenter? The son of Mary. The brother of James. Jose and Judah. And Simon. And are not his sisters with us? And they were offended at him. After I preached my grandfather's funeral. Very. I saw it as a once in a lifetime opportunity to be evangelistic after I did that my family was shocked with me they they were they were repelled by me Uh, and to this day some of them have never talked to me again when I was the unnoticed one the quiet one in the corner I got the attention that I might need but now I go if I were to go home Those cousins who were very liberal, liberal churched, uh, you're going to heaven because you were baptized. Some of those religions. And uh, so I thought about this for a while. Over-familiarity with someone often breeds contempt. When they know you so well, they know your weaknesses, your strengths, I remember your mistakes. Overfamiliarity with someone often breeds contempt if we know someone so thoroughly that we can emphasize the good or bad traits. Wow. Jesus Christ. Had no bad traits. He can't be compared to any other created being. He was perfect. He was perfect. They took offense at his humble birth, at his poor circumstances of his family. They were too proud to be taught by one who, in family connections, they took to be their equal or even inferior. People always look with envy upon those of their own rank who advance to uncommon wisdom and superior power and gifts, superior gifts. But you might have gone over this too fast. I, I remember I was surprised and shocked the very first time I read these verses in the Bible. Jesus had brothers and sisters? Scriptures say that. Now the, the word "brothers and sisters" uh, has another, another definition as cousins. But when we say that, when we say that if, if they're talking about cousins, why should the children of another family, cousins, be brought in here to share a complaint which is evidently designed? Against Joseph the carpenter. Mary his wife. Jesus their son. And their other children. Put the prejudice apart. Would not any person of plain common sense. Suppose from this account. That these were the children of Joseph and Mary. And the brothers and sisters of our Lord. According to the flesh. It seems odd that this should be even doubted. By. by Not. Not just Catholicism, other main other mainline religions, Protestant religions, teach the perpetual what's it called, the perpetual virginity of the mother of the Lord. Now I got into a conversation about this at Jippy Lube. <laughs> of all places. There was there was a A young man there, about 30 years old, he had his Bible open in Jiffy Loop waiting room. And so I started up a conversation. And listen, he was very godly, very knowledgeable. And we got into this conversation about the perpetual perpetual virginity of the mother of our Lord, which in some countries leads to Mariology, the worship of the Virgin Mary, and a famous, famous evangelist was in Mexico City, back in the back in the early '80s, and uh, CNN was taking the microphone around down the city, down the city streets, and they came to this very old-looking lady sitting on a on a, a, a barrel doing her chores, peeling something. And they put the microphone in front of her. What do you think about, Bonnie, who was it? Who was the evangelist? I know this. Who? Thank you for coming this morning. Billy Graham was there in Mexico City, I think it was. And they put the microphone in front of all these people, interviewing them. What do you think about Billy Graham coming to town? And she said, oh, we don't need any of that stuff. We have Mary. That was Mexico City. But it's the, it's the religion of Mariology and the perpetual. And I asked this man in Jiffy Lube about it. And he says, well, you all think the Bible is exclusive that's your right, but we think that there are lots of extra biblical traditions that are of equal value to to us to believe. So that's where that comes from: uh, traditions more or as reliable than the word. So that's this this these verses here have caught taught a lot of people and caused them. When they read them, cause them to go to their priest and ask. And what they get is those were cousins. Back in the book of Acts, James, it says, the brother of Jesus. That's, he's on this list. And James became the pastor to all the apostles at first there in Jerusalem. Uh, and one more word on it, Matthew one twenty five says, And Joseph... And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. Until she had brought forth her firstborn son. So I'm going to leave that there. Thinking of that, I think of this. Stubborn, selfish, bitter unbelief. Talking about his town, Nazareth, his homecoming. Will never lack for excuses. When you're stubborn... When you're selfish, when you're bitter, it will, you will never lack for excuses. Nor will these people be found in heaven as well. These, Nazare, these Nazarenes. Wow. Back to verse 4 of our text. But Jesus said to them, he said, a prophet is without honor in his own country. Again, familiarity. Who is this man? He's only someone that lived in your town for 30 years. Who is this man? A prophetess without honor in his own country, among his own family, and in his own house. That's what I found when I went home. So their pride and envy were the causes of their destruction. Verse 5, and he could there do no mighty work except he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healing them because they had a low respect for him. They had a low honor. I think that this is one of the most common problems among Christianity. You have a group of Christians who call themselves Christians, but they have no limits. They can do almost whatever they want because of grace they, they can do whatever they want they make the rules and the limitations and they have very low honor for purity for holiness for, for sanctification then you have a group that is uh, very they, they just they honor him and I think in our congregation there are many that very much honor him as king of their life as the father of all things. They honor and respect him. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. And thank you for over 20 years of forgiving them maybe. But I, I, I say this to you. I don't want to make mistakes. I don't want to sin. I do. And when I do, when I fall down, I get back up and I ask his forgiveness and I go forward again. There are those who don't care. Who call themselves Christians, but they don't care. They have their own code. They don't care if they make their own mistakes. Sometimes they stay down. God requires faith, honor, and respect. How are you in that area, those areas? Faith, honor, and respect. He hears only the prayers of the faithful. But when there is little true belief. And prayers are cold and formal. There the people sleep in spiritual death. And go unblessed. Unblessed. By unbelief. By unbelief and contempt for Christ, men stop the blessings and favors to them because of contempt for Christ. If I, I saw this on a, I saw this on one of those police shows, and uh, I, uh, the lean detective was hiding behind a truck with a sniper up here shooting down on him, bullets going everywhere, and his butt. His buddy says to him, he says, I hope you believe in God. And the lead detective, a famous actor, says, says, I don't believe in God. But if there is a God, he sure has a lot to answer for. First of all, that last time I saw that, looked at that show. And, but God doesn't answer to anyone. What he allows, he allows Sometimes he just takes his hand off of a situation, and it spirals out of control. But God hasn't, doesn't have to answer anyone for anything. He's God. We ought to honor him, ah, respect him. Verse six of our text, and Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. It's He's God. And yet he was set back by it. Everywhere he goes, he's honored. And people stand in line to see him for blocks, for blocks. When he goes out out to sea on the Galilean Sea, they get in in rowboats to go out with. They don't want to miss a thing. Then there are those like this. And it stumps him. And these are probably, he's God. But I think he would have liked to have seen Uncle Mike in heaven. I think that's why he goes. He goes home to Nazareth two different times in his ministry. Sometimes the gospel of Christ finds better reception in the smaller villages... And the country churches. He went about, verse 6, into the villages round about, teaching them. I kind of like that quote country churches, where there is less wealth, for money doesn't mean it, anything, and formality. There's less wealth and formality than in the big cities. Would you turn quickly ahead in the book of Mark to chapter 12? Mark chapter 12. Starting in verse 1. Jesus is speaking. And he began to speak unto them by parables. He says a certain man planted a vineyard. The man is God. He planted the earth. And he set a hedge about it and digged a place for the wine fat and built a tower and let it out. He he rented it out to husbandmen or farmers. He rented it out and then he went into a far country, heaven. And at the season, he sent to the, the farmers a servant that he might receive from the, the, from the farmers of the fruit of the vineyard. And they caught him and they beat him up and they sent him away empty. And again he went unto them another servant. And at him they cast stones and wounding him in the head. And sent him away shamefully. And again he sent another and and him they killed. And he sent many others beating them and killing them. Now we go back to Old Testament prophecies. No, the Old Testament prophets. Many were beat and killed and stoned to death. He kept sending others to get what was his. It was his. Listen, that's the greatest lesson. We're his. We're his fruit. Verse 6. Having yet therefore one son... Jesus, his well beloved, he sent him also last unto them, saying, they will reverence my son. But those farmers said among themselves, this is the heir. Come let us kill him and the inheritance shall be ours. Inheritances cause so much trouble. Be careful with your You older ones, be careful with your will. Who you leave your inheritances to. Because after you're gone, if it's not spelled out right, it can divide your family. Common knowledge. Verse 8. And they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. They killed Jesus. What shall therefore the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the farmers and he will give the vineyard unto others. Have ye not read this scripture? The stone which the builders threw out became the head of the corner. So important for us to realize we're not his. We're the fruit. We're the fruit of his his land, of his farms. And we owe him so much. Oh, oh, how much did these people lose by their stubborn prejudices against Jesus. Oh, how they could have prospered when Jesus visited them. If Jesus was available to you, would you invite him over to your house into your home Would you do that Would you invite him into your house would you have to do so much cleaning up before he before he came even Jesus would you come to my house would you come to my home we're going to give you dinner Would you would you consider Would you consider Inviting Jesus to your home. One more side note. You are more than what you do. You are more than what your job is. You are more than a mother, dad, worker, etc. There's a lot more to you than what you do. You are a whole person. A person made up of many parts, yes, Jesus was more than just a carpenter. He was God. He was God. He was the savior of the world. And we should be telling others. If not ourself. And if we are his field. And if we are his fruit. We're his. We belong to him. Again. Invite him to come to your house permanently. Not as a visitor. Invite him to come to your house. Would you pray? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I pray so much, Lord, for your greatness in my life. For your greatness, Lord, in our homes, in our families, our marriages. Thank you so much, Lord, that we have the ability, the choice to be yours and to give to you, Lord, of the fruit of our lives. Asking you, dear Lord, to visit and then stay with each one of us. Ask you, Lord, to, to hear our prayers even this morning, Lord. As we invite you into our home, our heart. Or as we, envis- as we invite you into our, our home, our heart to stay forever. Lord, you're so good and wonderful. There's nothing you can't fix in our lives. No matter what we've done in the past, you're only interested in the now and the future. You give forgiveness and grace, Lord, to us. Help us, dear Lord, now, this very moment, to ask you to come into our hearts where we live Jesus forgive me for my sin and come into my come into my heart lord and stay don't just visit stay in the living room of my life not just a back room or a closet stay with me help me lead me guide me lord i respect you i honor you as my god come into my life lord jesus in jesus name amen